Would you join me in prayer, please? Father, thank you so much for our time this morning, and we are grateful that one of these days we're going to see you. Whether it's when you come back or when we take our last breath, but Father, if we have a personal relationship with you, we are thankful because we are empowered by your Spirit. We are promised a life eternal. And while we're here, Father, we are given an abundant life if we choose to embrace the desire of your heart for our lives and also the ability to care for the those that are in need with compassionate care and to be a light to the world. And fathers, we think about the devastation in Maui and Father, all that has happened in just these last few days and the, the large number of people who passed, the families that are affected, the whole community that's devastated our hearts go out. And Father, I pray that you will be with our, our own disaster relief teams that are en route. And Father, the compassionate care as well as the work that will be taking place and, and other nonprofits that are coming in to try to help in so many different ways. It is always a reminder that we are a family. And that Father, we must care the needs of others, whether they be right here in our congregation or in our community or, Father, around the world. So I pray that your divine touch will come upon that community and that, Father, they will be given hope because the only hope we have is in you. And this morning, I pray that you will encourage each of us with hope, hope that is found in the full armor of God as we continue to live a life set apart from you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being here at our First Baptist Church Sun City West worship service. And if you are a guest for the very first time, we'd just love for you to take the card that's in the pew in front of you, if you haven't already filled one out, and fill it out, drop it in the offering, uh, offering boxes. When you leave at one of the exits, we would certainly appreciate that. It is good to have Gordon Christopher with us today. And uh, we always love seeing, seeing you. It's even better now that he's back somewhat closer. You're not in Atlanta anymore. You're at least are in Mesa or Maricopa. Maricopa. Okay, it's even farther. Okay, but at least <laughs> at least he's in the area now. So we are glad to to have you. And uh, you continue to pray for Miss Nancy and and David as they're taking a little time off that they'll get good rest. So let's continue our time of worship, Gordon. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Merciful. 
Thank you. 
Please pray with me, church. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that the residents of this country are free. The freedom to come here to church every Sunday, to worship freely the word of the Lord, to go to Bible study, get some in-depth knowledge of your word, and to carry the Bible wherever we please in this nation in our homes, our cars, wherever we may be. I'd like to reiterate Pastor Kennedy's request for those folks in Maui who are affected by the tremendous conflagration uh, that whipped through that, that particular island, both the rescuers, the residents, and those here in the States who knew folks or had relatives there, or even those who just have memories of having a vacation there that for the land is no longer the same. Uh, we pray that you will touch all those souls with your hand and give them peace and comfort in this struggle that they face at this time. We'd also like you to give traveling mercy to the many folks right now who are away this summer and even those away just for a few weeks at this point in time uh, that they are safe and that they will return to their home church here to worship you with the rest of us i'd also like to uh, thank you for our sermon coming up where we're going to learn about the true armor of god and how we can use that in our daily goings about in this world I'd like to ask you all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.
Does that melody bring back memories to you like it does to me like 40 years ago? If you saw the movie uh, Jesus Revolution or if you're looking forward to it, I think it's coming up next month or so, here it is a real blessing. The freshness and the revival that happened about that time, this is one of those songs through their spirit song. I hope this will be a, a time of freshness and reflecting for you as we sing this song together. <clears throat> oh, let the Son of God enfold you with His Spirit and His love. Let Him fill your heart and satisfy my soul. Yeah, let Him have the things that hold you and His Spirit like a dove will descend upon your life and make you whole. Flame, 
Scripture reading for today is from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 13. Please follow along on the screen and be blessed by the reading. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. We are uplifted by the sharing of these verses, because these are the words of the Lord. Amen.
I want Jesus to walk with me. I want Jesus to walk with me. On the first anniversary of my being at this church, I remember the deacon chair, Bill Sweeney at the time, um, presented me with three things. First was a compass. A compass that would tell me to always, always keep my focus on God because he is our, our north. Uh, second was a container with scripture verses. The scripture verses were specifically designed to help me to keep my focus on the word of God and to stay true to it, not only in my own life, but as I present it each and every Sunday. And the third was a beautiful symbol of the full armor of God, each piece placed for a particular reason. And so those who have always been in my office, a place where I can see them, try to keep my focus on the things that are so important. This morning I want to take the opportunity and the time, after four weeks of talking about temptation and what temptation is and how it affects us and how the flaming arrows of the old 
the old devil can certainly come at us. Over the next two Sundays, I want to talk about the full armor of God, how vital, how important it is as we strive to live the life here, not only the abundant life, as I prayed earlier, but also trying to make sure we fulfill God's purposes in our lives. For each and every one of us have a unique purpose. God made us unique. He called us. He gifted us. Not to be put on the sideline, but to engage and to serve, even in the midst of a spiritual battle that we're in. To complement what Jerry read, in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18, we talk about the full armor of God. Paul writes, finally, be strong in the Lord and mighty in his power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of the evil of the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, for when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm there with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert, always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Join me in prayer. Father, thank you for the time that you have given us this morning, and I pray that what we hear will touch our hearts because it's your word. And it will speak to each one of us differently. But I ask that we would not only hear and listen, God, we would apply each and every one of us. Give us insight. And help us to understand that everything we see physically, Father, there's beyond that a spiritual battle taking place. And help us to be fully engaged as followers of Jesus. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know... When I think about armor, first thing that comes to my mind is the story of David and Goliath. You remember David, just barely older than a boy, summoned by his father away from the sheep to go take uh, supplies to the armies of Israel where his brothers were fighting against the Philistines. And do you remember Goliath? Huge, huge man, strong. The tip of his spear weighed 15 pounds, <laughs> so that's how strong he was. And here's David, and he can't believe that nobody in Israel is standing against this one who is doing everything he can to defile the God of Israel. And so he comes and he tells, uh, he tells King Saul, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand 
of this Philistine. You get the entire military here who won't go against Goliath, but you have this just older than a boy who trusted in God. And so, I, I, I don't understand the concept, but King Saul said, well, so be it. And so he tried to put his armor, or at least some armor, on him. And it didn't fit. It wasn't comfortable. You can imagine this boy is just older than a boy. And so David goes into the battle, not with the human armor, but rather with his staff and his slingshot and five smooth stones. It's interesting because David looked at Goliath as close to the eye as he could, like this, <laughs> at an angle, and he said, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. That's such a bold statement, isn't it? David relied on God Almighty, not the human armor or armament. And I think that there has a lot to say about us in our spiritual battle that takes place, that we, we are engaged in all the time, whether you really understand it or not. In our spiritual battle, we've got to depend upon the power and the provision of the armor that God provides to be victorious. Otherwise, we're probably not going to be victorious. This is not an armor that you invent. These are not calculations that you put together to say, this is how I'm going to, to go in my strategy and try to eliminate the enemy. It's an armor whose source is God himself. And we may attempt to design all kinds of tricks to get us through the day to try to move away from the fiery darts of the old devil. But the reality is only God gives the armor it helps us to survive the spiritual warfare. So as we study this passage in Ephesians chapter 6, this week and next week, I think that it's important for us to understand the full armor of God and to really understand it because we've heard it and it is cognitive in our minds. What I want you to do is try to figure out how I can apply each of these pieces of the armor of God that he gives to my life so that as I go into the battle, I will be victorious in the name of God. It's interesting that all except the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, all is, are our defensive items in nature. All pieces of the armor are designed to help us stand against the schemes and 
the strategies of the one who is constantly against us. So the question I think comes to mind, it would be for me, if God provides the full armor, how in the world in this battle can I stay strong and mighty in him? And I think for today, there are four things that we need to put into our life. Number one, we do that by standing firm. In verse 14, the first part, he uses that very phrase, stand firm. You see, the devil is a powerful adversary who knows us. He has access to us. He has that superhuman intelligence in dealing with us. And he uses these various forms of, of craftiness and strategy and intelligence in striving and in incredible methods to try to undercut us as we try to live for God. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. What is Peter saying? He's saying, watch out. Be cautious. Be careful. Because he's looking for you. In the face of this great threat, here's what God commands. He commands us to take our stand. He doesn't tell us to hide, to go find shelter. In the midst of this storm, this adversary, he says, take your stand. You see, the reason for that is because each one of us have a critical purpose in the purposes of God for the kingdom of God. And if we don't stand, some of those purposes are not going to be fulfilled. And so in the midst of this spiritual battle, he says, listen, you're critical to this battle. So stay focused. God desires that we take the purpose he has for us and hold it. And the idea here is to hold it continually. Not to fall back. But when we have the gospel of light in us, when we have the power of the Spirit who lives in us, and we have the spiritual warfare that can materialize itself in criticism, in heckling, in being dismissed, he says, stand firm. Do not, do not fall back. I believe that our position may be standing for Christ wherever we go and whatever we do. So the idea is no matter where we go in life, no matter what we do, we have the power of the Spirit. We are mighty in the power of God with His Spirit who lives inside of us. So as we encounter that spiritual warfare or however it materializes in your life, we're to stand firm. We're to continue to plow through it. Or at least hold our ground. How do we do that? Well, it might be that you have to stand firm in your belief in the gospel of Christ, even if you have friends who continue to attack you, or neighbors, or people in your clubs, or wherever you go. 
I, I'm amazed at some of our um, some of the believers in our country who have become more outspoken and how the culture has tried to silence them in so many different ways and I've been absolutely amazed at how they have stood firm they've not been canceled but their voice continues to ring out I believe that we have to remember that the God who has given us light is the one who is empowering us to take that stand even when humanly we could never do it yes how in the world with all of this pushback and the criticism how can we stand and you remember in verse 10 what Paul said he said be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power so it's not our strength that allows us to do that rather it's strong in the Lord and in his mighty power his for some of us that's a change because for many of us we've been in the church forever <laughs> we've been through Bible Sunday school from preschool all the way to now our senior adult class which is by the way all of our classes <laughs> <laughs> And we have a great knowledge and we strive to be faithful but but sometimes we're not in touch with the spiritual battle and the true power that God can have to work through us in addition if you remember Paul stated in verse 13 therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand Do you like to be liked? Do you like people to like you? I think so. Most of us do. But not everybody's going to like us. And if we stand in the power of God, and we are a threat to the devil and his schemes, those attacks just naturally going to come. He says, listen, when the day of evil comes, and Paul says it will come. He's not saying you can dodge it. You can try to move around it. You can try to kind of hit everybody on the back, be their friend, you know, even if you don't agree, say it's all going to be fine. But the reality is when the day of evil comes, and it will come for each and every one of us, he says the key is to stand. And when you have done everything to stand, not necessarily indicating the idea of progressing forward but to stand and let your voice be heard and let your actions for Christ be heard so only God can enable you to take a stand and to hold your ground he goes on with this idea of how can we be mighty and strong is not only to stand firm but also by seizing are securing the belt of truth in verse 14 he says stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist the Apostle Paul was a prisoner in Rome when he wrote this letter day after day there would be a Roman uh, soldier or two who would come in and would watch him observe him sometimes even be clasped to him he had plenty of time to observe all the different gear that a Roman soldier would have 
He understood it well. He was familiar with it. He pondered it. And then it seems to me that as Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus, the Spirit inspired him to use something that was right in front of him and that he understood in the realm of spiritual warfare. And that is the armor. The first part of that armor was the belt, the belt of truth, he says. The belt was the center of the anchor of the Roman soldier's equipment for the battle. It didn't seem like that big of a deal. Many of us, one of the last things we put on is our belt, right? <laughs> but not, not here. That belt was about four inches wide. It was made of leather and metal. Everything else may look important in the armament of the full armor of God, but the reality is, apart from the belt, nothing would have stayed in place or remained attached if the belt hadn't been put in place first. And he calls it the belt of truth. Paul's teaching that biblical truth must be the center of your life. It must be the anchor that holds you. When you center your life on God's truth and you anchor your life on his truth, you put on the belt of truth. And we can know the truth because the truth is the Son of God, the Word of God, the Logos of God. So the belt of truth is, is a critical piece of defensive armor guarding the innermost being in the battle against the lies and the deceptions of the devil himself. Without an understanding of truth, real truth, we're left vulnerable. As a believer in Christ, if we don't know the truth of the Word of God, if we don't allow the Spirit of God to speak to us, and for us not only to hear Him, but to implement what His Word says in our lives, then as Paul said, in verse 14 that we can be carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men by the craftiness of deceitful scheming the enemy is always scheming always looking always watching for how he can put you off to the side but the belt of truth it protects and it prepares us for the battle that every single one of us will face. In addition, being strong and mighty in the Lord, how can we do that? By securing the breastplate of righteousness. Paul goes on to say in verse 14, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, it's not off to the side. It's not something that, that the uh, Roman soldier knows that he's got to have. I've, I've got to have that. But rather, when he goes into this battle, he knows it's got to be in place, secured. Paul's might have, uh, mind might have flashed back to Isaiah 59, 17, where Isaiah said, For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. A typical armed soldier wore a breastplate made of bronze or a metal mesh of some kind. And it protected the vital organs. And particularly, it protected the heart in the midst of the physical battle. 
it had loops or it, uh, it had uh, some buckles that attached to that belt of truth. It held on. And the fact is that um, if that belt was loosened or if the breastplate was not attached, that breastplate would fall off, becoming vulnerable in the midst of the battle to the enemy's spear or sword. Paul takes that. He says, listen, let me tell you what the breastplate of righteousness is in a believer's mind and heart. The breastplate of righteousness refers to the righteousness purchased by Jesus Christ on the cross. If you remember, the scripture is very clear when it says, there is none righteous, no, not one. There's not a one of us here today that is righteous on our own merit. So that creates a little bit of an issue. The righteousness that we have comes from Jesus Christ. He's pure. He's holy, perfect, sinless. It's his righteousness that we take on for this spiritual battle. Otherwise, the devil could chop us down in a moment's notice because we are weak and sinful. That breastplate is specifically designed by God because it protects our, our heart from evil and the evil schemes and the deceptions. He gives us insight and, and understanding. Our own righteous acts are no match for Satan's attacks. That's what the uh, Isaiah 64, 6 says. We can't stand up to it in our own, in our own flesh and blood by our own righteousness, of how good I am. When I talk to people um, who I'm trying to discern if they are followers of Christ or not, more times than not, they're always saying, well, I, I'm a good person. I do righteous acts, good acts. I help people. And I think that's great. But it does not provide righteousness because we're still sinful. And it's not going to balance out at the end of time. When we become a follower of Jesus Christ, we take on the righteousness of Christ and it becomes that protection for us. The breastplate of righteousness has Christ, it has his name stamped on it. In essence, to say your righteousness is not sufficient to protect you, so wear mine instead. And as we wear Christ's breastplate of righteousness, we begin to develop that purity of heart. We change. We desire to be like Christ. We think about Matthew 5.48, where it says, Be perfect like your Father in heaven is perfect. And that perfect isn't perfection. It's the having a heart of purity for Him. And that, that heart of purity doesn't stay within ourselves it it leads to action when we have the righteousness of Christ we realize it's not us and in humility we understand that he is protecting us 
And we have a heart for him. Therefore, that purity of heart, it leads to action like his love for us led him to leave the glories of heaven to come here to provide salvation for us. Action. Wearing this breastplate creates a lifestyle of putting into practice what we believe in our hearts. It's not this quiet peace over here. So well, I've got to deal with this myself. And as long as I stay isolated and, and I hold on to this righteousness and I don't get contaminated by the world or, or the thoughts of all these other things. No. No, what he's saying is, listen, you, you have my righteousness. And so what you believe in your heart, that's what you're going to put into your lifestyle. It's going to make us different than the world. Not judgmental at all, but different, changed. You see, as our lives become more conformed to the image of Christ that Paul talks about in Romans, our choices become more righteous. And if our choices become more righteous, these godly choices are going to protect us from further temptation and deception, the scripture tells us. So the more we have the, the righteous, understand the righteousness of God in our lives, the more purity of heart we desire, the more our lifestyle changes and we make choices that are righteous. And those choices lead us to this place where Satan has very, a very hard time deceiving us with his schemes and his craftiness. And so to take on the full armor, to have that mighty power in the Lord and that strength to be strong in Him. He tells us to stand, to stand strong. He tells us to take on the belt of, right, of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. And then He tells us we need to be ready with the gospel of peace. In verse 15, he says, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. That word readiness has the idea of vigilance, watching, being alert, not dismissing things that Satan strives to do or the quiet things he whispers in our ears. Now, the word readiness has this understanding that we are going, just like a soldier, if we're going to be victorious, we've got to prepare, be prepared for battle. We have to have studied our enemy's strategy. And we have to have confidence in our own strategy of allowing Christ to lead us. And in the midst of that, whatever comes at us, we're going to have our feet Firmly planted so that we can hold the ground when the attacks come. And that's exactly what happens in a physical battle with soldiers. You see, a soldier's battle shoes, they were shoes that had nails or studs in them, like cleats. And, and that was so the Roman soldiers could stand their ground and they would dig in. And like a, a football player on the old on the old grass fields. 
so they, they can get traction, so they can hold their ground. It helps them to keep balance. And you know, Paul knew that if a soldier lost his footing in the midst of a hand-to-hand -hand combat, and he lost his footing and he went down on the ground, that he was dead. And so Paul says, spiritually, make sure that you hold on to those cleats, that your spiritual, your spiritual shoes that has the gospel of, of peace, that you stand firm and you be ready. You be ready so that when Satan comes at you and hits you, that vigilance, that you're ready to take whatever blow he brings you and you've steadied yourself and you're on balance. Because if you're not alert, then he takes you at a weak moment and you tumble and fall. It will be disastrous. When we're ready with the gospel of peace, then we're going to live with the understanding that we are going to have a continual attack against us by Satan. 2 Timothy 4.2 says, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. He says this to Timothy, because Timothy was a preacher. But I think, I think it's more to it. I think he tells every single follower of Jesus Christ, listen, you need to preach, you need to teach, you need to be ready to give an answer, whether it's in season or out of season. Not just when you're prepared but even when you're not prepared. I appreciated the song today, Gordon. Our soloist lost her voice. He was prepared. And he was ready. No matter what happens, we need to be prepared so we're not knocked off balance. The gospel of peace, it's the message that Jesus gave those who chose to follow Christ. He's given us that message. And we find that it comes with the assurance that we are his children and nothing can snatch us out of his hand. So when we have the gospel of peace, he says, I want you to know this message needs to be communicated to others. And the reality is that you are my child. Nothing's going to happen to you to dislodge you from my hand. I have you. You have that eternal security. You're my child. And it clearly states what is required to become a child of God. That which we're to communicate. And that is that it's Jesus Christ alone. So, as we reflect upon these first elements of the full armor of Christ... We come to an understanding that we are going to be attacked. He tells us to stand firm. And he tells us to hang strong to God's word, the truth of God's word, to know it, to internalize it, to be ready to use it at any moment so it changes our lifestyle. And he says, take on the righteousness, not your own, 
Don't pat yourself on the back because of all the good things you've done. The only righteousness comes to us through Christ. You depend upon Him and His righteousness. And then you, you put on those shoes of peace, the gospel of peace. And you stand firm no matter what. And if you do that, you will be powerful and strong in the Lord. Not unbalanced, but always ready in season and out of season. Father, as we move into our time of invitation, I just pray today that you would give us insight for us. Help us not to say, oh, I've heard all that before. Rather, help us to, to say, God, what, what did you have for me today? And there, for today, maybe there are some that do not have a relationship with Christ, and this would be a wonderful day for them to say, you know what? I don't have the full armor of God because I don't have God. And I want Jesus' righteousness now. And so for those, we ask that you would prompt them to come, to give their lives to you. For most of us who are followers of Jesus Christ here in this worship center, I pray, God, that we heard from you. Not to analyze everything, but to say, okay, God, what does that mean to me as I look in the mirror of my life? What things do I need to adjust and commit to you that I haven't? Because I want the full armor that you've given, that you're the source of. And during the invitation where we're seated or standing, that God, we, we would make a recommitment or a rededication in whatever those areas are. And Father, for those that uh, feel like this is the place that you want them to come, engage in ministry as we work hand in hand and arm in arm to be a lighthouse to this community. I pray, God, that you would prompt them. God, help us to hear you. And the greatest invitation is when we respond. Respond to you and your challenge. And this morning, however it's done, public or private, I pray, God, that we would respond. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Please stand and let's sing our invitation hymn. Oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior. And light.
could be seated if you would. Before our closing prayer, I want to share a few things with you. You have an insert in your bulletin on the dinner fellowship groups. Uh, the 20th of August is the last day to sign up so we can get all the groups put together. This last uh, spring and to even for some groups this summer, we had about 70 people, about eight groups, I think, that met together. Um, <coughs> most of them on a monthly basis, just to enjoy the fellowship. It's been a wonderful time, and I hope that you will sign up. And if you signed up in the spring and you haven't signed up yet, I would encourage you to sign up. You have to do that. And we'll look forward to, uh, to some new groups and getting to know more people within our, our church family. So please, if you would, do that. Uh, at the end of this month, on the 27th of August, uh, we will have a Lord's Supper service. The entire service will be focused on the Lord's Supper. And in addition to that, we will be taking a benevolent offering. So at every exit, our ushers will be there. And I uh, pray that you'll be mindful of that because there's a lot of need right now and we want to, to help in every way that we possibly can. If you have your bulletins, just as a point of reference, when you leave, don't leave them in the pews. Take them with you because there's some really cool things upcoming. Um, tomorrow, which is Monday, is the uh, Women's Fellowship Lunch. Just bring your uh, brown bag or if you go to Dairy Queen or wherever, just bring it on. And uh, it's going to be a great time. They talk about, um, if you haven't signed up yet, I believe, if my memory is correct, that you're supposed to have, or some have given baby pictures. And uh, uh, they're going to do something with that. You know, I'm not sure I have a baby picture, but uh, I'm not included anyway in this. So it <laughs> doesn't really matter. Uh, on the 21st, which is a week from this Monday, for all team leaders and team members, if you're on a team or a ministry, we're asking you to come and uh, be here from 9 to 1130. Uh, we're going to do team training, but in reality, uh, for this year, uh, it's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, there's going to be a lot of brainstorming in your teams. Uh, so we're going to lay a little bit of a foundation and let your teams look at uh, 2024, start praying about and begin planning about what is it that God wants your team in those areas to do in this next year as we not only look at our projects but also our uh, 2024 budget. So please, if you'll set that time aside and, and enjoy coming. Uh, I think I missed the, uh, the hymn sing and ice cream social at the end of the month. Um, how many of you have ever had homemade ice cream? Some of you haven't, wow, okay. Well, I'd come because if you've never had it, you're gonna love it. If you have had it, you love it, right? Okay, we need you to sign up though if you're going to make homemade ice cream so we have enough. Otherwise, uh, you just need to go down to the store and you need to buy some, uh, some ice cream and then you need to put it in a bowl, let it melt a little bit, switch it around, <laughs> put it in the, in the freezer, and, and then come on and bring it because that way we can at least uh, enjoy <laughs> that ice cream. So I hope that you'll come. Uh, the hymn sing, it's all going to be in the CLC, and uh, they're your favorites. So it's a night that you can come and, and just say, this is what I want to sing. It's going to be a very special evening, uh, Sunday the 27th. And um, you can look at the rest of the uh, uh, needs that we have. Uh, other things you need to sign up for. I'll let you take a look at that. Um, and I believe that's about it. Uh, Barbara, would you lead us in our closing prayer time? Where are we at? Do I have it? Do I have it? Oh. Barbara, you, you've changed. Paul, <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you for being willing. Good if things you stand, happen. please. Let's stand as we pray.
God, you've blessed us so much today. We've learned a lot. Now help us to do according to what you want us to do. Not do what we want to do, but Lord, what you want us to do. We go in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, Gordon. Thank you. Thank you.